Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Central's 20th anniversary of being a reconciled in Christ congregation. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zentalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, let's go back and remind people what RAC means and where it comes from, just from the start. Absolutely. So we did a podcast about this years and years ago. Yep. And I'm sure Don will link it. Happily. And so if you are new to our podcast, we do have a web page on our website, centralportland.org, that has links to our podcasts and blog page and all kinds of stuff. You can find info there. And we'll link to the previous RIC podcast where we had a guest, Leo Bancroft, Mm -hmm. come in and give some fabulous information about it. Reconciling in Christ is a label, a status, a certification that congregations work toward within our denomination. This is something that is an evangelical Lutheran church in America. Specific thing, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. It is something for us. This is what we do. There are other labels for it in other denominations, other flavors of Christian. RIC is what we call it for ourselves when we are specifically an affirming congregation for actually lots of things now. It's expanded. Really? Yes. So now it's not just about the LGBTQIA community. The way that we are looking at this is this is for a faith community that is committed to being a welcome, inclusive, celebratory, and an advocating congregation for people of all sexual orientations, gender identities, gender expressions, and communities that work for racial equity and that are committed to anti-racism. Okay. And so it's about all of those things because... In the same way that the work for poverty finds an intersection in the work around eco-justice, which finds an intersection around advocacy for the marginalized because of sexual orientation, which Mm -hmm. finds an intersection for those, right? Yep. It's all intersectional. And RIC, which is a certification that is overseen by Reconciling Works, which is an organization, have really found that the process of conversation that it takes to know that you are open to welcoming the queer community, it is that kind of work that is needed for racial equity and anti-racism, which is intrinsically a part of the work, particularly for trans people. Mm -hmm. As trans women of color are the ones who are so often the ones receiving the worst violence and the worst hate crimes within our communities. And so they expanded about, I think it was three years ago, their requirements. Okay. And... They changed their logo, that it's not just the heart with the rainbow, but like the progressive flag, Mm -hmm. they now have the rainbow on one side and then the trans colors and the brown and black to include anti-racism work. 
And so those new logos, the stickers for those for Central Lutheran are coming hopefully in the next couple of weeks before our anniversary date. Nice. Do you happen to know how many other churches in the area are RIC? Because I know, sadly, from the original podcast with Leo, that this is not the norm for ELCA churches. It is a really small percentage of them. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. And it's been a couple of years Mm -hmm. since Leo was with us. But going on to reconcilingworks.org is a way that anyone in the United States can find local RIC congregations. So no matter where you're listening to our podcast from, you can go on reconcilingworks.org to find an RIC congregation. And nationally, there are currently 1,002 congregations, so it has gone up. Good. For some reason, the number in my head from when you did the podcast with Leo was like 800-something, which Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's accurate at all. I don't either. The number in my head was closer to 700. Oh, see? We're going to have to go back and re-listen. Whichever one of us is closer maybe gets... I don't know. I would say it gets a cookie, but you don't like to actually eat the finished <laughs> baked no goods. sweet tooth. <laughs> Any which way, maybe we get to do skinny yarn. Right now, as of mid-January of 2023, there are 1,002 congregations, and there are 293 faith communities on their way to becoming RIC nice. in the United States. Here in Portland metro area, there are 25 RIC congregations within 10 miles. That's excellent. So there's a lot of opportunity here in Portland metro for people to find an RIC congregation. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that is rare in Portland metro. And it is not every single congregation. No. And certainly for Central Lutheran to be celebrating its 20th anniversary, 20 years of being an RIC congregation, is an incredible statement to who this congregation has been and who they are. Definitely. Okay, let's talk about this service that you're in the middle of still planning for this. Yes. Which is happening when again, remind me? January 29th. Okay, so coming up. Yep. Coming up, it'll be on Zoom. It will be live streamed on Facebook and of course in person January 29th at 10.15 a.m. Excellent. Okay. So what kind of thought are you putting into this particular service? Is the music going to be specifically chosen? Are you going to follow the lectionary or do you want to pick something specific to the mood of the service that you're planning? What kind of stuff? Well, the music has been chosen, and Ginny chose the music for us for the day. And Ginny is always fantastic when she chooses music. She is so specific. Mm -hmm. She's fantastic with this, because not only does she pick music by lyric and tone of the sound, she often digs into the history of the composers Mm -hmm. and just does this incredible research So even her preludes and postlude have Mm -hmm. connections to the queer community and celebrations of individuals throughout history. So absolutely, we have music that reaches out and celebrates and gives strong connection to the queer community. The lectionary, actually, we're sticking to it because we've been given the Beatitudes. Oh, okay. 
We do have access to Reconciling Works. They always put together a package for RIC Sunday. This is a festival that happens across the country, and any congregation celebrates RIC Sunday on this date. And so Reconciling Works creates a package of materials on a theme and with possible ideas for stuff to be used. And so I'll kind of go through that and see if there's anything we might want to use. Or what I'll be doing is writing anything that we might want to hone to give our congregation a particular flavor for the 20 years and where we've been and where we're going and how our work really has impacted. I think part of what Central is really stepping into right now is the anti-racism work of the RIC. Yeah. And we have been doing a lot of work over the last year and a half, partially inspired by RIC saying you have to actively be doing anti-racism work. It's now a part of the thing, right? mm -hmm. If this is part of your identity, you got to be doing the work. And we have been doing the work. I mean, I say that like I'm so proud of, I am proud of us. You know, I want to say I am proud of us and I want to celebrate it because I'm not good at celebrating things. And anti-racism work is really hard and can be really painful. And I am so proud of how our members are digging in and showing up from book studies to staying after worship to discuss things that are hard. We had a 45-minute difficult, hard, beautiful conversation about the phrase, the dominant culture of white supremacy Mm -hmm. after church last Sunday, based on a draft land acknowledgement that has been proposed to our congregation based on our anti-racism work that we've been doing over the last year and a half. And it is stunning to watch 10 to 12 people voluntarily stay and sit together and have beautiful conversation with each other and disagree and open their hearts and share their personal stories around a table, around topics that are really Mm gut-wrenching. And often incredibly divisive. Incredibly divisive in our current culture. And that's the thing about what RIC does for a congregation. That is what is so amazing about this process and about what this gives to congregations is that RIC and the ability to learn how to talk to one another and learn how to disagree and ask hard questions and ask for definitions and ask for understanding something that doesn't make sense, this process and all that it offers gives that to people and communities, communities that love each other. And it creates a space where hard conversations can really happen. Hard conversations that can really change and save lives. And so I know that it may not seem 
for people who, who haven't interacted with an RIC congregation or who haven't interacted or been a part of that kind of a community before, like it means all that much. But as someone who has been serving here for a decade and who has served in other congregations previous to this, I can tell you it is huge, the skills and the trust and the capacities that this builds within communities. Oh, I 100% believe it. It is not something that I even was aware of in any way, shape, or form until it happened to come up once I was a member here. Mm -hmm. But when I look back at the churches that I've attended throughout the years, it is amazing the opportunities and the experiences that I've been able to have at this particular church to know people that I never would have known in some of the other churches, at least not openly. I wouldn't have known that they were identifying as queer in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And not only were they open about it, but they were so willing to help teach. You were teaching about pronouns before it ever reached anything more mainstream than it is today. Mm -hmm. And I never would have guessed that about six years ago. Never. Yeah, absolutely. These kinds of gifts that we get to offer into our community, I think one of the pieces that is always amazing for people to hear the story of, and I wish that people didn't just know the story of or the myth of, but could actually know the truth of, is that it can be life-saving. And that having communities that offer representation in this way, that offer rainbow hearts on door frames that offer rainbow signs next to their church name, that offer openly anti-racist statements. These kinds of places that show that we are willing to be wrong and to learn. When there are individuals who are lost and hurting and scared and are struggling with suicidal ideation or self-harm, when there are individuals who are longing for a place to belong, even just to know that we exist, can sometimes be enough to be helpful. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. So you mentioned you've been at this congregation for 10 years. What have you seen in terms of this congregation specifically growing or how it has changed? I think the two main areas where Central has grown substantially in this last decade have been primarily around trans inclusiveness mm -hmm. and in our anti-racist work. So when I arrived, the congregation had been living into its RIC identity for a decade. There was already a great comfort with having queer individuals lesbian, gay, bisexual individuals who were not only open within our pews, but also elected into leadership positions on council and even potentially in serving during worship mm -hmm. and in leadership, open leadership positions throughout the congregation. So that was not something that was difficult for this congregation by the time I arrived. It had been difficult. The congregation had its journey through those years. Sure. And by the time that I had arrived, that was already established. When I got here in 2013, summer of 2013, the ability to welcome in a trans person as a member of the congregation 
being in the pews was something that I assumed and I felt was something that we were absolutely able to do. And I was accurate. We were able to welcome in individuals who are trans and give them a beautiful welcome. Mm -hmm. I was able to appropriately, I hope this is an accurate statement. And if I'm inaccurate, I hope that I am corrected. I was able to create a space that was safe enough and guide congregational members through welcoming this individual. And we were able to begin the education process. Mm -hmm. In the years kind of following that, the first three or four years, we did some direct education around trans inclusiveness, trans education, pronouns. Yep. That's when I joined and learned happily everything that you were teaching. Exactly. It was a big part of some of those years mm -hmm. because that was the next layer. I think for many in the ally community and even within the queer community, trans inclusion from 2013 to now, mm -hmm. I mean, we're still working on it. Let's be honest. The, oh, sure you know, hate bills and all of that that's going on right now, we know is a big deal. But especially 2013 to 2017, I'd say was a real crux time period in metro Portland area where there was a substantial amount of learning to be done. And we were blessed with the opportunity to learn and to grow as a community in some really powerful ways to the point that we have been able to be a welcoming and safe community for our trans siblings. Mm -hmm. We've had multiple trans employees, you know, trans folks working in our nursery. We've had gender nonconforming individuals on staff, in leadership, on council, right? Gender nonconformingness mm -hmm. is now normalized within our community and accepted and affirmed in a way that I think because we are RIC and we had had that decade of being RIC before we began that work, I think that that is why we're able to be who we are now mm -hmm. around that gender expansiveness. And I'm delighted by that. Same. I'm absolutely delighted by that because I think it makes a huge difference for our youth of today, because we're also a community with a lot of young children. Mm -hmm. And as we know in Portland Metro, our youth are much less interested in the binary of gender mm -hmm. than previous generations have been. And so to be a space where we can let them not care as much about that gender binary and still love them and be with them and help them to know they can be interested in God in the Pacific Northwest is a big deal, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It really is. So that's been a big part of our journey and anti-racism work. Mm -hmm. Central Lutheran is a part of the ELCA, is a part of the widest denomination in the country. We are not an exceedingly racially diverse congregation. Mm -hmm. It is a congregation that has work to do on this topic. And so 
the push from RIC to be doing it, the continued push from our culture to be doing this work. I think this is something that we have been digging into and we will continue digging into and we will continue living into. And in the same way that we didn't know where becoming RIC would take us 20 years ago, we don't know where our anti-racism work is going to take us into the future. But we know we got to get there. So we're just going to see what happens. I love it. Okay, that's going to bring me to my last question then. Was heading an RIC congregation something that you looked for when you interviewed here? Or was it just not even on your radar at that point either? It was 100% on my radar. Yeah. It actually, we have a section of our paperwork that is kind of for bishop's eyes only. And on mine at the time, I put, I am only interested in RIC congregations. At the time, I was parenting a queer teenager Mm -hmm. and trying very hard to keep her alive and keep her safe. And I needed the congregation where I served to not just be tolerant of queerness in what they said, but also in the actions that they had taken. Mm -hmm. Because I could not be in a place and try to raise her and keep her safe and enter her dating years and all of that kind of stuff without being in a place where that, that would not, not only not be an issue, but that she could be celebrated. Sure. That if my stepdaughter came with me to worship with a girlfriend and held her hand that the congregation wouldn't look sideways at her Mm -hmm. because I needed her to be safe. I needed her to know that she was loved because so much was telling her that she wasn't in this world. And I just wanted to keep her alive. And so I, on my paperwork, made it clear that it was a requirement for me to interview that a congregation be RIC for her safety. And at the time, I did not have my own language for asexuality or panromantic to understand that it would become increasingly important for me to be in an RIC congregation for my own wellness and ability to come to know and celebrate my own queer identity. Mm-hmm. And to be in a place where I could be that representation and celebrate that and offer that representation for young kids as well. I 100% agree. As somebody with queer kids, I would not go to any church that wasn't some form of RIC because I need them to accept my kids as well as they would accept me. Yep. End of story. Yep. It's critical. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Central's RIC anniversary. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for joining us. If you are in the area and you would like to come and join us at this awesome celebration, there will be cake after worship. Nice. You are welcome to come and join us at 1015 on Sunday morning, January 29th. 
And if you're unable to join us but would like to celebrate with us by making a financial donation, you are always welcome to do so at centralportland.org slash gifts. We never do a financial plug on this thing, but why not? Why not? In the meantime, until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>